0: Hey, and welcome to our 38th class from the Christian Basics or for my Lutheran teenagers out there confirmation. Every week we aim to bring you biblical content that will help you in your new or emerging walk with Christ. I'm joined by Ted Wright of Epic Archaeology again this week as we look at the parables of Jesus. Uh, I'm Evan McClanahan. I'm the pastor down at First Lutheran in Houston, Texas. But thanks to Ted from Epic Archaeology. I definitely encourage you to check them out joining me to offer some insights and historical background on these parables. Let's roll. All right, Ted. Well, thanks for joining me again as we continue to look at the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, and we're doing two videos on the parables of Jesus. When people think about, you know, Jesus, they think about maybe some of the more famous miracles, but Really, his teaching in parables, I think, is what stands out. Uh, Certainly, he teaches uh, wisely and amazingly without parables. But I think his parables really stand out for a lot of reasons. They're very memorable. They're they're like perfect stories. Uh, Some of them are only you know, just a modicum of words, and yet they manage to paint these just incredible canvases full of pathos and emotion. Uh, very relatable characters, good guys, bad guys, conflict, resolution, uh, all of that. They're, they're really quite amazing. But they really tell the story of the kingdom and what life is like in the kingdom. And so I wanted to start, you know, really with why Jesus told parables, because I think sometimes think, oh, he told these little cute little stories. Um, and it actually is, there's more to these than that yeah and so I one of the one of the parables that we're going to look at is the parable of the soils sometimes called the parable of the sower but anyway whatever you want to call it and in the middle of that and, and I'm in mark uh, four in the middle of that his disciples are very confused so for all the people that think these parables are easy to understand his own <laughs> disciples were like what in the world are you talking about right <laughs> and so I'll just read a little bit of this and get your get your thoughts on it so this is mark 410. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may not see, but not, I'm sorry, they may indeed see, but not perceive, he's quoting Old Testament here, by the way, Mm -hmm. and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. I mean, it's almost like he doesn't want them to understand the parables. They're not meant to be understood. They're not meant to be easy to understand. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk about that for a minute. Why did Jesus teach in parables and why does he want to make it hard for people to come into the kingdom? At least that's what it seems like.
1: That's what it seems like. Yeah. It certainly seems that way, Evan. Um, and you're right. He is quoting directly from a very interesting passage, actually, um, that is in. The book of Isaiah. It's the call of Isaiah. It's Isaiah six, what many people uh, are familiar with when God called the prophet Isaiah. And and interestingly enough, the book of Isaiah doesn't begin with this. It doesn't begin with Mm -hmm. his prophetic call. It begins with um, it begins with Isaiah, the prophet crying out to the leaders of Judah in fact calling them rulers of Sodom and Gomorrah and basically saying you're bringing all these sacrifices you're you're bringing sacrifice into the temple and you're giving incense you're giving prayers you're giving all these offerings and 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 Isaiah 1 God says to the prophet Isaiah stop bringing these sacrifices I don't want them you're I don't that's not what I want what I want is your heart so That's relevant because Jesus is also talking to the Jewish people who thought that they were made righteous by doing the works of the law. Mm. And so then in Isaiah 6, in verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And then uh, Isaiah has this incredible vision of God, this enthroned, awesome being of light and power and fire and all this majesty and and then he says uh you know who's gonna go for us who's gonna go i'm gonna i want somebody to go and send out this message and isaiah raises his hand and says i will go then god says to him this very interesting thing which is what jesus is quoting here in mark 4 he says this in verse 9 of isaiah 40 or excuse me isaiah 6 he says uh isaiah says then i said here am i send me and he said go and tell this people, this is your message, he says to Isaiah, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Mm. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, Let they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and to return and be healed. And then he says in verse 11, then I, then I said, how long, Lord? And he answered, until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant.'" So, wow, that's like what that's a whole yeah. other thing. But it is related directly to what Jesus says here in in Mark 4, the purpose of pure parables. It's not necessarily to hide because when you read in other passages, God loves all people and he especially loves his own people that he calls that he makes a covenant with and he marries essentially, he calls them his bride. So, it's not that God does not love them. It's it's uh it's really more speaking about the uh the office of the preacher the office mm-hmm. of the prophet and what the uh and what it's actually going to happen when you preach the truth and when you speak the truth those who don't believe it are never going to get it believe it and so you, they're not going to get it because they don't have this spiritual in other words they can understand the words and the grammar and all that mm-hmm. but they're not going to understand that uh, of what god really wants and so i think that you see the parallels in the Old Testament, and the New Testament, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are doing exactly what the Jews the Old Testament did, and they're mm-hmm. not. And really, it, it's a simple thing. I think we try to overcomplicate it, but the parables are really they're at, at a ground level. They're really just they're stories, and they're very simple, very earthy stories to illustrate a very powerful theological truth. But I think they are also to engender faith. They are to build faith. The, the faith of those who actually have it, and then for those who don't have it, as you continue to preach the truth, it's going to continue. They're not going to – they see – they're looking with their eyes and not with mm-hmm. the eyes of their heart. Yeah. So the so, irony – yeah, the irony is is that uh, they have eyes, but they can't see, and they have ears, but they can't hear. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If we wanted to make the argument that Jesus saw himself in, in part as a prophet – this would be a great place to start, right? Because he's quoting yes. from Isaiah and he's saying, I'm teaching in a way, um, and also to connect it to what we we did just did the video about John the Baptist, right? That's the right. last prophet, you you might say of the Old Testament or the bridge between Old and New Testaments, um, you know, whose call was to repent. And yes. so these parables seem to be it, it I haven't, I haven't seen it's it's like some of these new movies where like, some of it's filmed in black and white but then like when you understand what's really going on like then it's filmed in color or something like that even the wizard of oz you know is (laughs) is like that right where it's like well you're in darkness here but like once you flip the switch you know like once you repent once you understand that the presuppositions and the preconditions if you will of the kingdom of god oh now that now the parable makes perfect sense so i think i think that's yeah it seems to be like If they're going to go their own way and if they're not going to repent and they're not going to change, then they'll just be left behind. You know, if they're not going to assess what's being said by the prophet, by Isaiah, or in this case by Jesus, then then they'll be left behind. This is the language of the kingdom. And so as we look at these parables, and we just chose a kind of a number of them, we're not going to look at all of them, of course. But I think that's kind of the theme that we would want to look at is in what way do these parables – Talk about the kingdom of God. I mean, and Jesus clearly says the kingdom of God is like, and, and and let's start with a simple one like that. He he says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds. Well, they're actually smaller seeds, but who cares? That's not the yeah. point. Um, it was the smallest seed that they that they would have known. It's a very small seed. And he says, Yes, but yes, it it grows into a beautiful bush and it provides, you know, shade and 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 the and the birds can nest in it. So what does he what is he talking about, you think, when he talks about this small seed that becomes this this big bush? It's like, well, so what? That's just agriculture, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's a. It's, he's talking to people who would have understood these images and these ideas, and it is interesting that even today, these parables, like if if they were given today, maybe he would use a different like technology or something, but yeah. they probably wouldn't have the thing. But you always need food, and you, you need seeds to grow. Yeah. So I think it's interesting also that the timelessness of these parables uh, is couched in their agricultural language. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they are – has. It does have to do with, like, in order to understand the, the theological truth, you have to understand the the reference set that is, that is actually talked about in the parable. And with the mustard seed, of course, it's not the smallest, but to them it was the smallest. The point is that, as is is what we said just a minute ago, And, and got what God has always wanted and what God rewards is faith. And even the smallest amount of faith, God will reward greatly. And um it is simple, childlike faith. And Christ even said, it, unless you become like a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Um to think about this mustard seed kind of faith. I think we overcomplicate things and uh you know, well, do you have to believe in the Trinity and do you have to believe in all these are important questions, theological questions that that we want to answer? But but God doesn't try to keep us out of the kingdom. Um in fact, I think it's sometimes it's so simple that we just we st- stumble over the top of it.
0: Let's look at the parable of the soils. Sometimes it's called the parable of the sower, which is fine. Uh, but basically, to to just summarize it, um, you know, a, a man is casting seed, and it falls on different types of soil. Some of it falls on the path, some of it that that he's walking on, which is obviously a right. hard, terrible place to put seed, and some falls in in uh, rocky soil, and it, so it the, the it can't really you know, the root can't go very deep, and other gets in thorny soil, so it kind of gets wrapped up with the, the thorns of the world, in essence, and, but some falls on good soil, and that, that seed can bear fruits 30, 60, or 100-fold, and so um, this is the parable, in fact, that confused the disciples so much, and they're like, what are you talking about, and so then he goes on to this explanation that we started with, and then he kind of unpacks it, and he says, well, you know, the seed is the word of God, right and and that's why i don't like to focus on the sower so much right um although i mean we have an obligation to you know sow the word of god into the world sure. and all of that but um and also i don't like to, to talk about this parable like well, what kind of soil can we be i mean you could talk about ways in which we can be good soil but again um you know again the the, the first three types of soil the seed kind of can get eaten by birds it can get it it doesn't have good root, so it's shallow and it goes away or it gets consumed by the concerns of the thorns of the world. Um, but the good soil. Now that's 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 pretty remake because like the mustard seed. Man, it it is super abundant. It is like very profitable, thirty, sixty, a hundredfold. So anyway, I kind of gave the whole summary there, but offer any any thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, the I mean it's so rich. Um it's hard for us, you know, here in Chicago, I lead trips to the Oriental Institute museum at the university of Chicago. And uh, we talk about fertility and the importance of fertility in the ancient world cannot be emphasized mm. enough. I mean, mm. it's lost on us moderns because you know, when we're at the museum and I tell some of my guests, we're at this display case and we're looking at these fertility figurines and they have a display case. And from the very beginning of human history, they're making fertility figurines like from the very beginning of human, like Mm -hmm. right after the Neolithic, they're making fertility figurines. And then of course it's formalized with Baal worship and Asherah and Astarte, And, and all of the gods in the ancient world have some kind of something to do with fertility. So, um, this is an agricultural society. And when you know, when we want something to eat, we'll go to the grocery store and our our grocery stores are amazing. You guys have H E B there in, in Texas. That's right. And you just go and you just I mean, you just walk into the produce section and it's just apples and oranges and all this beautiful produce like lettuce and just anything you want, you can get. But back then, you just couldn't do that. You if you, if your soil didn't grow, if you didn't have good soil, if you didn't have good plants, you would not live and you're would be hungry and your family would starve. And there's so much connected to that. Uh, so that they, they would have understood this, this analogy and many of them would have, uh, you know, been connected to farming in some mm-hmm. way, either directly or indirectly. And, um, so he's speaking the language that they would have understood. And, and, and if you've ever grown anything in your yard, like a tomato plant or whatever, you know how important the soil is and, uh, people go to, to these, uh, you know, um, building stories and they buy topsoil so they can plant their tomatoes yeah. sure. it's, and they, and they have, you know, fertilizer in the soil. But like you said, the soils, um, uh, are different, basically different representations of the human heart. And, yeah. um, and as you know, from a pastor and I've been a pastor too, you can preach a sermon, that you think was, uh, you thought maybe from your perspective, you thought, well, I think that was a pretty good sermon. I thought, you know, and then some people will have no effect. And it seems like it has no effect. And then sometimes yeah. you preach and it's like, wow, like what's going on? But there's this mysterious uh, dynamic that goes on with when God's word goes out. And that's something that we can't control, but it's up to something that yeah. individual. And so he's, I think this parables, I think the point of it is that when the truth goes out, it's going to fall on different soils of the heart, and it's going to be received in different w- different ways. And that certainly the, was the case in. I mean, it's true of anything. I think this uh, this sort of uh, as I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. Head here about this. I think about the Apostle Paul when he was at, in Acts chapter 17 when he was at Mars Hill in Athens. Hmm. He began to preach the gospel. He's preaching the word in the synagogue, starting out in the synagogues. He's preaching the gospel that Christ is the Son of God. And then they, then he goes to the, to the Gentiles. And at the end of that whole little pericope section in act 17, it says this. And I think this is exactly true of any of us who preach the word of God, who speak the word of God. Some listened, some said, or some believed, some said, we'll hear you again. And others mocked. Perfect. That's yeah. exactly yeah. The, the so- yeah. that's the soils.
0: Yeah, some exactly. will believe,
1: some will mock and some will say you know what i hear you again yeah and, and examine may, yeah, yeah
0: we yeah. and and we should all examine our own hearts right like are we are we consumed with the things of the world yeah so that the word is being taken away is, is the word of god just a part of our life or is it really definitional to our lives right you know and if it's definitional i think we've all known those dear dear souls for whom the word of God was definitional and man, their lives were just abundantly fruitful. They were, yes, they were, they were the salt of the earth that were a joy to be around and love their neighbor and serve their community. And, um, and then, and maybe that 30, 60, 100, like you said, it's like generational. It's like mm-hmm. having children and then their children and then their children. So let's look at one more quickly and this sure. will complete a kind of agricultural uh, trio okay. here trilogy, okay. which is Jesus talks about the wheat and the tare. So there's a guy who's a farmer and someone else goes into his his field and he sows wheat, or, or I'm sorry, tares or weeds, and basically, so it's like, well, what what do we do? Do we try to chop down the the weeds, you know, so that the good fruit can grow? And Jesus' response is, no, what we're going to do is we're going to let them both grow at the same time together. We'll sort it out later. Yeah. And uh, again, that's an odd thing that must have confused people. But if you understand it from the perspective of the kingdom of God seems to pretty clearly be a parable about the judgment of god Mm -hmm. and um you know one of the things people i think have difficulty with is the fact that christians live in this sinful world and bad people get away with stuff and there's all this evil in the world and jesus if you love us why don't you fix this am i wrong in saying this is kind of a parable that would speak to that
1: no i don't think you're wrong at all um it's certainly difficult. Um we have to admit why do things happen the way they do and why it is a mystery. There's a in fact Paul talks about the mystery of lawlessness. Why is there? And even even in Christ church um bad things happen and wolves are in the midst of the flock. There are yeah. people who are who question the word of God and they question faith and, and that's, and it's all mingled together. And, um, I think the parable of the wheat and tares shows us that there is coming a day, not just within the God's covenant community, but in the world itself, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man are growing up side by side together. But one day, uh, there's going to be a great harvest. And there's uh, so if you understand the whole harvesting process, the, 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 the fork, the winnowing fork, basically is going to pull up the good wheat, and what's going to be left is the chaff, and so um, so in the end, it's, it's a parable of the kingdom, and the coming of the kingdom, and uh, it is a real kingdom. I believe it's a literal kingdom. Myself, I don't think it's metaphorical. I think it is metaphorical, and has a spiritual dimension to it, but I think it's literally going to happen. I think that uh, when Christ comes again, um, those who have honored him and those who have given him glory and honor they're going to be given a special place in the kingdom is i mean there's no reason to allegorize that uh and so this parable is very powerful it's motivation um because you think about it uh and and i'm I'm gonna get a little bit off but then i'll come back here Mm -hmm. but it is related um to go back to my uh archaeology I, I lead tours and, and I write about ancient Egypt a lot. And I think about ancient Egypt and its connection to the Old Testament. And uh, one of the things that I have discovered, I, and lately I've been reading a lot on the uh, Egyptian Book of the Dead, which is mm-hmm. a very famous funerary text that the Ag- Egyptians would um, read and follow uh, in their view of the afterlife. But the Egyptians, were, were, regardless of what you believe, and we don't agree theologically with them, but they had a very robust view of the afterlife. They, they they believe that if you live to be, let's say, let's say you live to be 70, 80 years old. That's I mean, that's a long time. You think mm-hmm. about it. But in con- contrast to eternity, that's nothing. And and that basically, they're preparing their, their whole lives. The Egyptians lives were preparing for the afterlife because that's really where it's going to start. That's really where real life begins. And so I think Christians can sort of take a cue from the Egyptians to say, you know what? But we have Christ, and there's coming a kingdom that's never going to end. And yeah. right now, there's two kingdoms in this world: there's the kingdom of Satan and God's kingdom, and we're we're living side by side. Uh, but one day they're going to be separated. And so, yeah. um, where are we going to be? Where are we going to be serving in that kingdom? And and where where is our treasure? Is our treasure here in this world? Is our treasure? in the kingdom of god because where our treasure is there our heart will be also so yeah. i think it's a very I think it's a very powerful uh parable of the coming kingdom of christ
0: yeah well ted thanks for joining me we're going to do this one more time as we look at another couple of parables of jesus thank you for having me all right well as always thanks to ted wright of epic archaeology for joining me and thank you for watching this video feel free to subscribe to us here on youtube email me at christian class at And go to flhouston.org for the worksheets for all these classes. Thanks so much. We're going to be talking about the parables again with Ted Wright. Until then, take care.